everyone, and welcome back to the SpongeBobblematic cast. This will be going over episode seven. Now, to get right into it, episode 7A is Hall Monitor. This episode is written by Chuck Klein, Jay Lender, and Mr. Lawrence, and storyboarded by Chuck Klein and Jay Lender. Now, that, that first name there, Chuck Klein, I believe that is a new name. Don't believe we've seen that in any of our other episodes so far. So that is something noteworthy about the writing and storyboarding of this episode. If you see any techniques or any little things in it that don't seem like they might quite fit with what you've seen so far could very well be the reason. Personally, I felt like it fit in pretty well with how things have been so far. If I wasn't told there was a different writer on it, I probably wouldn't have even noticed. I actually feel differently. I uh, I did note I didn't know that there was a different writer for this episode, but I did notice it was a little different than some of the other episodes we had watched. Um namely just kind of SpongeBob's whole attitude towards obviously we'll get into this more in detail later, but you know, something we've talked about on this show is uh, how SpongeBob is really good at a lot of the stuff he does when he's confident and, and uh, you know, like actually puts in the effort and, and believes that he can do well. And this is something where once he does something that he believes he's doing very well, it sh- it's shown that he's not very good at it. Uh, so maybe that was his influence or just, you know, a decision made by the, the writers as a whole. But, you know, obviously we can get into it and discuss it a bit more. That's true. That's true. That is a bit different than the normal way of SpongeBob doing things so far. Um, so when we start this episode, uh, we see it's the first time that we really see boating school like a regular school and that like they have a hall monitor. They talk about graduating, things like that. And so Mrs. Puff, at the beginning of the day, she's going down her list of whose turn it is to be hall monitor and she sees it's SpongeBob, but she does not trust him with that responsibility and just tries to push it onto anyone else, anyone else in the classroom, but absolutely no one else is interested in doing it. And so she does eventually, you know, SpongeBob kind of knows it's his turn. Like he's sneaking up to the front of the classroom. And when she finally has to give in and give it to him, uh, he's super ecstatic about it, super excited to be given responsibility. And he just launches into a gigantic speech talking about like, I will protect all that are weak in the hall and just many statements within the hall afterwards. And, you know, it's one of those things where he's just talking and we see a time lapse. He, he spoke for so long, he wasted the entire school day not even being the hall monitor, just giving a speech. Yeah, and after that, it's implied um, that Mrs. Puff, this is something that he does very often because the, the bell rings and the class leaves. And uh, at SpongeBob remarks, uh, I overdid it with the speech again, didn't I? And this is, so I, I guess apparently that's what he did the same thing last time that he was hall monitor as well, just wasted the entire day giving his speech, you know. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, you know, this, this, uh, the, this whole speech is, you know, the, the in the hall bit is very, is very good. Um, I think, I think when, before he starts his speech, Mrs. Puff remarks, you can't just make this easy, can you? <laughs> and then he just goes into his, his whole speech. Um the uh at the end of it when he finally you know dubs himself the hall monitor and puts on the regalia before you know uh, the bell actually rings uh he he does this thing that he does uh throughout the episode where he like gets like a square like more square than his face actually is like more of like a chiseled man jaw and uh and proclaims himself the hall monitor in a very in a very bravado voice uh you know, which shows how seriously he takes this position as well as how, like, high of a position he believes it to be. And so a part of that, too, is it kind of is implied Mrs. Puff, you know, from the I overdid the speech again, deny that you can't ever make this easy sort of comment that she kind of just knows that this is how SpongeBob just is in school. Um, he's either, you know, overly nervous and failing or he's overly excited and 
putting, you know, a lot forward that's going to kind of take up the entire day. He's a student who needs a lot of special attention, evidently. Yeah. And um, so, you know, he is really, you know, sad at first. Like, oh, you know, I overdid it. I don't get to be hall monitor. Like the school day's over. But then, you know, when Mrs. Puff, she says, well, you know, you can still wear it for the rest of the day. Uh, he basically takes that as, okay, I have authority for the entire rest of the day. And Mrs. Puff kind of knows. She's like, what terror did I just embark on the well, world? I believe she says, what are the consequences of what I have just done? <sighs> and she like shudders and walks back into the voting school. Exactly. And so when SpongeBob, he's going out into the world, he sees a, a broken traffic light. And he basically says to himself, oh, you know, there's no reason that my hall monitor duties have to end at school. So he starts directing traffic. And the implication, it's kind of a montage. It's implied, you know, he's he's moving cars. He's getting everything moving. And then when he's finally done with that, he kind of like, you know, rubs his hands together. Like, what would this town do without me? And then we see he actually just caused a gigantic accident. Yeah. And this is kind of the start of what I was talking about at the beginning where he was, you know, he's very confident. It's like it's like a slightly musical thing where he's just like leading people through. He's feeling himself. He's, you know, doing all these weird movements to get people through. And then, you know, super confident, super feeling himself. And then there's just a giant like 20 car pileup he caused that he apparently just did not notice at all. Which, you know, I mean, that's par for the course, I suppose. Yeah, he's just, you know, so into what he's doing and so convinced he's doing it right that he doesn't even look at the actual consequences. And uh, part of the consequence there, too, we see another uh, my leg moment when we're looking at the traffic jam. That is another voice clip that's used there. We've seen it once before, but here it is again. It's very iconic. It's in a lot of different scenes that are like this. And as he's just walking along after that, he he sees an open window. Keep in mind, this is the middle of the day. And it's just like a, a couple is kind of how I interpret it. It's just a couple like eating together. And SpongeBob jumps in the window and says, I'm the open window maniac. And then they, they run away screaming. And he's like, I hope you learned a valuable lesson. Yeah, he's trying to teach them a lesson about leaving their window open and that being a like a bad thing for their safety, which I mean, I suppose when SpongeBob's around it is, but I don't normally hear of, of burglars jumping in through people's windows when they can clearly see someone in the house that just, you know, but apparently uh, SpongeBob sees that well, as a very large threat. It's everything that could possibly be wrong. It's the middle of the day. Uh, it's the middle of like, you know, a bigger like kind of area. So like clearly there would be other people around. Um, it, and it's just like people <laughs> shouldn't, it's one of those things where like, unless you're in an area where you have to worry about it, you shouldn't have to worry about having your windows open in the middle of the day. But SpongeBob just decides, oh, you know what? I think that's dangerous. Let me lead by example. Exactly. And then after that, uh, we see him uh, sing a little sing a little song to himself. He uh, just does a little, I'm on patrol, I'm on patrol, I'm on patrol, as he's walking through. Obviously, he, he sees himself uh, as... Like, I mean, he seems like it's not even like a cop. Like, he's like a greater than a cop in some way where he has to not only take on all crime and injustice that he sees, but also educate people on what the, you know, he just sees himself as as at least to the level of a policeman, if not more. Um, and then this leads him to see uh, to see a puddle of I, I, I don't know if he I can't remember if he slips in it or if he just sees it on the ground. But uh, like drippings of like strawberry ice cream. Uh, which leads him to find Patrick is the one that's licking ice cream on top of a building, and um, and uh, and uh, he's, SpongeBob starts yelling to him, and there's this funny moment where Patrick can't actually see him, so he thinks his ice cream is yelling at him. He goes, "My ice cream, it's alive!" Ah! And then he finally notices that SpongeBob's down there, and then so he's talking to SpongeBob, and he's like, 
you look funny spongebob because he kind of fell on him mm-hmm. and spongebob he, he has this back and forth there where it's like that's hall monitor to you sorry officer <laughs> and he's just like he's entirely just genuine with that comment it's not sarcastic he's like apologizing he's seeing spongebob as the authority spongebob has decided he is exactly and so spongebob basically is writing up patrick for you know i, I presume littering is the law that he's going for there because like patrick is like dripping ice cream on the ground and then spills his ice yeah. cream and while, while he's doing this patrick is crying about being a bad person yeah and <laughs> like it just spongebob's just like you've committed a crime and patrick's like what crime and they just like gestures to the ice cream that's on the floor patrick just completely loses it i'm a bad person and just starts like, completely breaking down um and then at this point there is a uh, a very iconic uh boy man whatever that runs up to them extra extra read all about it maniac terrorizes bikini bottom city paralyzed with fear it's the kind of classic like news crier person that uh brings a newspaper to uh to SpongeBob and Patrick or mostly to SpongeBob and uh, in this newspaper SpongeBob realizes uh he essentially reads like 20 car pile up breaking into homes we have to stop this maniac and but he's obviously just describing the things that he did just moments before and he he doesn't understand that it was him who caused all of these problems uh because to him he's just been the law he's been following the law and setting examples but you know and it, it is a credit to you know bikini bottoms newspaper industry that within like an hour of that happening there's already a paper on it and being distributed to the town but one way or another uh he he's talking to patrick and he's essentially like you're an ex ex criminal breaker yeah criminal what would you do i'd get an ice cream and then this <laughs> is like okay what next and they get another ice cream this isn't working <laughs> And then, yeah, and then we need to try something with walkie-talkies. And then Patrick just goes, eee! He's, like, so excited to get the walkie-talkie that he, like, freaks out. Um, and then at this point, SpongeBob recommends that they uh, they split up to, to cover more ground. And uh, and this <laughs> SpongeBob runs off, essentially making a police siren noise going, while he's running through the ground, while he's running, uh, running through the streets, and then um, as his wee woo start to fade out, you hear the actual wee woos of a police car approaching Patrick, and um, uh, something we we forgot to mention is when uh when SpongeBob essentially deputizes Patrick to be his um to be his deputy for this assignment, uh, the thing that Patrick uses to symbolize that he is an authority is he puts the ice cream cone that he had over his head, um, and so. When the uh, when the cops when the actual police approach Patrick, Patrick goes hello brothers and then gestures like gestures smugly to the ice cream cone on his head as if that makes them in any way comparable. And so the police just kind of ignore that, and they're basically saying, you know, hey, we're looking for the maniac. Have you seen this man? And they show a picture. It's a wanted poster of clearly like spongebob it is a yellow square but patrick sees it as a maniac and starts screaming in panic (laughs) and then the police they just kind of start fucking with him they just keep showing it to him to get him to scream and like they abuse their power to scare patrick because when patrick was 11 he turned 13 and he doesn't fuck with 12 Um, and i I gotta mention this you know we we talk a lot about the lessons that spongebob teaches people 
uh, teaches like children and can you know in some way can teach adults and i i really appreciate them showing how the police can be in a moment of police brutality when they uh when they're terrorizing patrick with this with this drawing of the maniac ergo his best friend i mean it's not the only time we're gonna see him do something like that like there's gonna be a time later where they're implied to be beating someone off screen with nightsticks. Yeah, so, I mean, SpongeBob, you know, SpongeBob understands the the horrors of police brutality. SpongeBob understands the problems with the police state. Exactly. Um, so when the police, they they drive off. Basically, they see Patrick as kind of being useless to the investigation. Um, and then Patrick, though, he's he's all like panicked and scared now because he just got abused by the police mentally. <laughs> and so he's he's calling up SpongeBob on the walkie talkie and he's like, I don't want to be a policeman anymore. I'm scared. That's, and, SpongeBob just like, ah, rookie. There you go. And then SpongeBob says, uh, turn, on, turn on your siren. I'll be right there. Or no, before that, uh, Patrick says, hurry up, SpongeBob. I think it's getting. And at this point, like, it is daytime behind him, it is just clear daytime. And then this, the sky just completely crashes into nighttime. And then Patrick goes, dark. And then SpongeBob uh, retorts with, just put on your sire and I'll be right there. And then again, similar to how SpongeBob did earlier, Patrick just goes, wee woo, wee woo, in a very classic segment. And then he sees SpongeBob uh, far away, lit under a street, street lamp. And then Patrick starts to panic. He goes, wee woo, wee woo, wee woo. And I, I think I think that line is, I mean, uh, except for the next one coming up, it's probably the most iconic out of this episode, uh, with just people going wee woo to like 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 if they're scared or like you know feeling impending danger or something like that. And it's it's funny too because Patrick sees SpongeBob, but because of the fact that most recently it was the Maniac and not SpongeBob, he only recognizes him as the Maniac, which is what causes his wee-woos to speed up in that manner exactly. because he sees himself as being in danger and he's he's calling up spongebob on the walkie-talkie it's like the maniac he's he's right there he's at the center of i don't remember the street names uh, uh center like uh, conch and coral or something like that i think or something like and that spongebob looks up and he's like he's right on top of me but i don't see him and patrick and it, he's, he's telling him all these different places to hide he's like hide hide by that street side no he just went by that street side hide under the street like no he's there too well and you forgot the the i think out of this episode and maybe i mean one of the most iconic spongebob lines that people quote all the time uh when spongebob initially asked patrick what because again at this point spongebob doesn't also like he has no idea that he is the maniac that Patrick is referring to. Um, so SpongeBob asks him what's he's doing, what he's doing, and then Patrick responds, "He's just standing there, menacingly." Which is, I mean, I, that line is is so iconic. I I hear that repeated. I think more than a lot of other classic lines that we've talked about, that one is used very frequently. I feel like that is true. And yes, yeah, so that is a part of it. At first, you know, SpongeBob, he's just standing there when Patrick first sees him. So that's kind of what prompts that. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, they're, they're running around. And then every time Patrick tells him to hide somewhere, he sees him hide there. But Patrick is seeing the maniac do these things in quotes. And essentially, eventually just says like, run for your life. And so SpongeBob, he's running, he's panicking. He hides in a mailbox. And we hear like, in, we hear like a muffled radio go off. And so he picks up the walkie-talkie. And Patrick just says back to like the maniacs in, in the, the mailbox, mailbox. <laughs> which is another, you know, there's a lot of very iconic parts of this whole exchange here. Mm -hmm. That being one of them, uh, where it's just one of those things that this episode is very quotable. It's very recognizable in that manner. Um, and so SpongeBob, he, he starts completely panicking, like his arms and legs 
kind of break through the mailbox and he just starts running through people's homes, just destroying the town in his panic until he he ends up kind of breaking the mailbox and seeing the wanted posters. And that's when he realizes he's like, wait a minute, Patrick, I'm the maniac. And Patrick just starts screaming over the walkie talkie. <laughs> but then all the police show up because SpongeBob just gave a confession and they're about to arrest him. But then Mrs. Puff shows up as well. And she's like in sleeping clothes, her hair is in curls, kind of this classical, like if you had to depict someone sleeping, that's kind of what you'd go for. Yeah. Like going um, to, going to bed woman is, is the Mrs. Puff's look. Exactly. And she basically accidentally tells the police, like, I'm the one who gave him the uniform. He's my responsibility. And so she is the one who gets sent to prison for six months over SpongeBob's escapades. Yeah, after after that scene, uh, we see, again, similar to the first scene of the episode, uh, just the class, you know, most people not paying attention. We hear Mrs. Puff teaching, though, um, but we don't actually see her. And then... Um... And then we get it, we pan over to SpongeBob, and then once we get to SpongeBob, we hear Mrs. Puff say, SpongeBob, I'd like to see you after class. And then we cut to like inside the jail cell where there's a camera pointed at her and a prison guard next to her in six months. And <laughs> so she had to actually go to prison because of what SpongeBob did, and he just got off scot free. Which again, I mean, kind of goes back to, to what we were, um, you know, again, and I think this is an example of how this episode. Maybe at least in the core, like, idea of the SpongeBob universe that we've talked about is very different than other ones. You know, normally we talk about how if you do something bad, you will get punished. Um, when Squidward does bad things, he gets punished for it. Um, you know, the times where we've seen SpongeBob maybe do a little bit of bad things, he's been mostly punished for it. Um, but, like, very rarely he usually gets rewarded for the good things that he does eventually at the end of the day. But this episode, SpongeBob is doing bad things. Now, he feels like he's doing good things for sure. But he is doing objectively bad things, and it's he has suffers virtually no repercussions from it. Meanwhile, others who were just trying to help him out end up uh, getting the worst of it. it th that is very true, and that sort of becomes a central theme of SpongeBob's relationship to boating school, is just that, in that sense, he's kind of a screw-up. Uh, we, we do kind of get that shift here where... We, we have the aspect of Spongebob where it's like, you know, it's his nerves that make him bad at it. And then we have the aspect of Spongebob where it's the complete opposite problem where he, he's overexcitable and that leads to his own issues. And, you know, it, it's interesting. I didn't really notice that as a difference because when you actually kind of read, you know, the pitch Bible from the very, very beginning that we've discussed way back in episode one, the idea that his overexcitable nature leads him to make those kinds of mistakes. And in the pilot too, we kind of see that at work um, is just a part of who he is and how he is. But yeah, we do see here that in that overexcitement making problems, it sort of, it, it plays with and sort of, I don't want to say it breaks, but it kind of changes the expectations we've had up to this point where, you know, he believes he's doing something good and then he's not even the one punished for what he did. Um, it is still, you know, it's funny. It's very humorous. It's not something where it's going to like throw you out of it or feel incongruous per se to the rest of what has happened in the show and what has led it to be likable up to this point. But yeah, it is definitely, you know, something we, we have a different writer here and a different take on SpongeBob yet again, where we, we haven't really seen him act this way again, like since the pilot. And since then, you know, a lot of things have changed and aren't how they were then.
Exactly. And I think, you know, I mean, it's not, and I, I suppose that I'm thinking about it, there is, you know, the the previous episode we recovered, uh, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, there is also a similar aspect of that, so I suppose it's not too different from that, where Spongebob is the one kind of causing problems, and he does kind of, in a way, get rewarded for it, or at least not get in any serious trouble for the bad things he's quote-unquote kind of doing. So, you know, it's not too big of a departure, but it is something I noticed as, like, a bit different from how you know, especially we've covered uh, the previous uh, the previous episodes. I would argue, too, that almost like, again, you know, I, I talked about it then. The reason it bothered me in Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy and that it doesn't bother me so much here as feeling out of place is when we see something like at the end of the pilot, SpongeBob, like shooting Patrick out of the building by making too many Krabby Patties, like this is a very macro level issue in a sense where like, it's played up so much that it's just humor and in this sense you know causing like a gigantic traffic jam or being an open window maniac is such a like played up situation that it doesn't feel the same as bothering elderly people who just want to live for 11 minutes it, um, it, but it is kind of worse it is worse though kind of objectively it, it, again, it's like it's one of those presentation things it's yeah like, you know, squidward, no i squidward blowing up is worse than like squidward getting stung by a jellyfish but it's not always presented as though those things are unequal no and i yes i i, I do flow. understand yeah but yes it is it is that is a funny like distinction though because i completely agree with you it's just funny that that distinction is there uh for those things yeah um, but and then it's, yeah, it's in the humor and it's in those contrasts that the humor exists, really. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, this episode is a is a pretty good one. Um, I, I I'll be honest when I uh, when I saw this one come up, I knew like bait generally what the plot was, and I knew you know the ending is very quotable. Obviously, I mean those like the last like few minutes there has you know has has standing there menacingly has the wee woo stuff that's very good. But there's a lot of I mean this episode is very solid through most of the way. There's a lot of lines that I forgot about that I that I remembered uh, that were very good. Um, and yeah, this one, this one holds up very well for me. It's very much so like they're building up to those last few minutes where everything has like its payoff and just, they put the biggest jokes in right then and there. Absolutely. And so to move on from that episode onto seven B, we have jellyfish jam. Uh, this is another very iconic episode, uh, you know, played all the time. A lot of people have seen it. Written by Ennio Torreson, Eric Weiss, and Peter Burns, and storyboarded by Ennio Torreson, Eric Weiss. And so this episode, um, we'll get into it, but there's parts of it that may be difficult to describe with the words as there's a lot of visual and musical elements to it. Uh, but to do our best there and get into the start of that, at the beginning, we, we open with SpongeBob and Jellyfish Fields. You know, as has been established by now a couple times, jellyfishing is one of SpongeBob's hobbies. And he's, he's sitting there, he's kind of camouflaged in at first, like, you don't necessarily see him, but you do see a Spongebob-shaped rock. Um, yeah, and, and this episode actually opens up with the announcer, the narrator, I suppose, uh, at the beginning, like, looking for him, he's like, he's like, Spongebob? Or, uh, Spongebob? Spongebob? And he's like, oh, there he is, and he, he finally sees the Spongebob-shaped rock. Um, so you know, a little funny. That's 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 one of the the few times I feel like that uh, that the that the narrator kind of like you know plays a part in the joke. He's normally setting up the um the episode or like kind of what's happening. Um, but this time he's actually incorporated in a joke, which I you know I think is good. Um, and then yeah, we see uh we see SpongeBob uh get out of his disguise and go and uh go and catch a jellyfish and uh, proceed to. I don't know, milk it? Like, I don't know what other word you would use for, for that's, its jelly. Yeah, that's exactly the case. So it, it's sort of like synonymous to how bees make honey, uh, jellyfish make jelly, 
However, the way they get it is very much so more like how you'd get it from a cow than how you'd harvest something from a bee. Um, and so we do see SpongeBob, he, he milks the jellyfish. That is exactly the word I'd use for it. And he puts the jelly onto a piece of uh, bread, perhaps toast, and then eats it, enjoys it. That's sort of going to be an aspect of jellyfish and jellyfishing that gets explored later. But uh, here it's just important to note that, you know, that's kind of an aspect of jellyfishing. The reward is in uh, what kind of things they can produce for you. And it does seem to be a symbiotic relationship in the sense that, you know, when SpongeBob's done, he's going home. Uh, the jellyfish, you know, starts to follow him, trying to, you know, go home with him. And SpongeBob's telling you know, no, you got to stay here. You got to stay here. He keeps trying to, like, throw him back to jellyfish fields, get him to go away. Uh, but then, you know, the jellyfish, he just keeps following him and then is getting really dejected. So SpongeBob says, oh, okay, you know, you can come home with me. And SpongeBob just really doesn't realize the implications of taking in a feral pet. Uh, Squidward, however, does, saying that, you know, oh, this is a wild animal. Yeah, uh, and then uh, yeah, and then during that he uh, he shows him all the different things that he can do. So he has the the jellyfish go play catch. Uh, he has him do something else, and then he says play dead, and it cuts to the jellyfish. And there's like you see that it's in like the because le- he has him on a leash at this point. The leash goes into the ground, and there's a gravestone above it, which is, <laughs> which is a funny little gag. Um, and then uh, and then Squidward says, "I wouldn't let that thing into my house even if it was potty trained." And then you see it on like the toilet reading a newspaper. So it's a funny little funny little gag there and so basically after they do all of this uh squidward says something like how can you possibly have fun with a jellyfish oh yeah and so spongebob goes home and it shows exactly how he does that so spongebob he has this big stereo setup and he turns it on and um the, the music here i believe is called jellyfish jam and we do have a just an entire music segment uh, it is one of the i mean i i feel like out of at least for the non-vocal spongebob songs that one is one of the classics it is it is so recognizable it is so uh god it is it is very very iconic i feel like to everyone you know i i i have unironically listened to that song just like as a good song to listen to more on more than one occasion and as a bigger part of the scene in the episode, uh, it's sort of used as a segment to show like a lot of interesting visuals, experimentations in color and shape. Like what can we do with SpongeBob's body? What can we do with the images in his house? Uh, what can we do that would kind of indicate like this sort of, it's very much so like a rave centric style mm-hmm. that they're going for where it's like, it's dancing, it's partying, but also it's these these strange kinds of visuals that, you know, you would see in that kind of situation probably because you're on something but otherwise uh, just <laughs> sort of this imitation of that idea and so they're just you know they're having a great time they're partying they're having fun and then spongebob essentially says you know it's time to go to bed and he's, he's trying to get the jellyfish to go to bed but it doesn't want to it wants to keep partying and um squidward makes a comment like while that's kind of going on spongebob is the only guy i know who can have fun with a jellyfish for 12 hours because yeah. uh, at this point it's it's well into night and so spongebob puts the leash back on brings him to bed um gary is showing some concern like he meows and spongebob says like oh you know it'll it'll be fine it's no problem at all but while spongebob is sleeping uh the jellyfish actually invites in his other wild animal jellyfish friends and they all kind of go downstairs and continue to party 
And when SpongeBob wakes up, he realizes, you know, okay, Gary is covered in like jellyfish jelly. Yeah, they they uh, gel they jelly Gary as like a prank, I guess. They just like all squirt jelly on him, which is they just kind of shit on him. Yeah, essentially, that's what it is. And, and so SpongeBob he goes downstairs and he's starting to you know get mad about it. He tells them all to leave, but he's just totally lost control of the situation in its entirety. We're still hearing that jellyfish jam music in the background as they're doing this. Uh, at this point, Squidward, we, we cut back to him, he mentions it's been 18 hours. And so he's he's calling to complain to SpongeBob with the jellyfish pickup. They shoot him with jelly through the phone. Um, and so Squidward, in retaliation, starts to play his clarinet. Uh, but he's playing badly, and the jellyfish are getting angry, shocking SpongeBob. And it leads to SpongeBob uh, going out his window and saying, Squidward, do you think you could play your clarinet a little better? better. <laughs> I don't think the jellyfish like it. And then, yeah, and then this uh, prompts Squidward to say, oh, sure. And then Spongebob's like, oh, yeah, okay, he said it'll play better. But instead, uh, Squidward, like, somehow hooks his clarinet up to his stereo system. I don't know how the hell you do I, I suppose there may be electronic clarinets that you can do that with, but um, I don't know. I've, I don't know about clarinet technology. But essentially, he just plays the same quality of badness he's been playing even louder. And uh, and this causes the jellyfish to uh, to get very mad at him. And um, and go and and sting Squidward uh, a bunch uh, in retaliation. One one little funny thing though. Um, so you mentioned how uh, Squidward called SpongeBob to complain. There's a there's an insult that I found very. I mean, not like actually cutting, but more funny. So when he calls him, he says, "Listen to me, SpongeBob, you square-headed assault on my ears." Which <laughs> and that's before he gets a before he gets jellied. Uh, because of the jellyfish is of course the one that answers the phone, but I just found that it's a very it is a very funny like it's not even that funny or clever, but I just I don't know I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, there's a, a lot of good moments in this episode, and you know it's Squidward, you know, then going on to antagonize them is what leads him to get hurt. He gets stung all over. He goes over to SpongeBob and like gives him the clarinet, which the jellyfish proceed to break because they hated it. So it's like that was not very nice. And so he's trying to, you know, get get them away from the stereo, take away the stereo, but he ends up breaking it. And like they now have no music, no entertainment, and they're even angrier with him than before. And so SpongeBob runs to his rooftop with Gary, but gets followed by the jellyfish. And like, Gary, you were right. Thanks for not rubbing it in. And SpongeBob just thinks, you know, he's done. But all of a sudden, Gary starts. So Gary's eye stalks, he's, you know, a, a snail. He has little eye stalks coming up. He starts to use them as a metronome. He's just clicking out like a beat. And SpongeBob realizes, oh, you know, this beat is calming them down. They're seeing it like music. They're they're moving to it. And so in this moment, SpongeBob, he takes Gary and then starts to use other environmental noise to create kind of like this natural music. And with this natural music, all the jellyfish are following him and kind of dancing along as he brings them back to jellyfish fields. And one interesting point about that is so he's he points to different elements of the sea, like there's a, a sunken anchor and the chain of it shakes. And that's one of the elements of the song. There's, there's, um, there's a treasure a, chest a really that, uh, there's a treasure chest that has like bubbles coming out of it as like a, like, a, like that makes a, you know, and all these elements on their own wouldn't really be that musical, but all together, it sounds very nice. And a, a big part of it too, that I wanted to mention is uh, at one point he points and we cut to real life footage of dolphins <laughs> yeah. dolphin noises. And that's consistently part of it. You know, we're cutting back and forth between these different, like, natural instruments so to speak mm -hmm. and it's it's anytime it's a dolphin it's just a real life dolphin yeah, it's, footage of it. it's just a real one um, that makes a dolphin noise of and then yeah I, and he I, put, he, oh sorry go ahead i just i don't really know why they made that decision specifically but that that one is the only thing rendered in like real life footage 
uh but it's definitely a memorable moment in that yeah i mean they you know and they do that every once in a while it's like hey could we have a real thing here all right sure let's do it because i mean i i don't believe we ever see a dolphin in spongebob uh so they were just like you know what hey instead of just like making a spongebob dolphin we'll just show a real one sure why not um and then yeah and then they cut to a like a like a a collection of clams uh, all going la 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 in in beat with the the song that's already come up and it's a uh, it creates again a, another very memorable song uh, for for this episode and that's um kind of what I was talking about too where it's an episode where its merits are difficult to describe mm-hmm. in words and non visual medium because so much of this episode is about music and visuals along with that music to create um a kind of different experience. Uh, we, we've discussed this a little bit before in prior episodes where sometimes SpongeBob likes to experiment with that kind of style with being something that is a audio visual experience more so than like an episode maybe at times. Yeah. And that idea of incorporating ideas of music and music video-esque visuals along to a story. And when you're trying to analyze that in terms of something like this, you know, that's, it's really just something where someone could describe it to you, like, in technically perfect objective words for it. But it, it's one of those things where it's like, you're not going to really get it unless you've seen it. Yeah. And so for, for this episode specifically, it's definitely a, a recommendation for a watch instead of, you know, anything else. It's really not skippable if you want to actually know what it is and again you know it's something you know it's interesting it's unique it's this show taking that time to be something more than you know some shows are the same thing their entire run and they never deviate but spongebob likes to take those chances especially early on and see you know in what ways can we explore this topic or this idea that we've had and how can we do that to the best of our abilities Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and we, you know, like, like you said, we've talked about in other episodes, they've had like, you know, towards the end of episodes or sometimes in the middle of episodes, they'll have song segments that are again, very memorable, very, very good songs, but they'll be, you know, maybe like the last little bit of an episode. This episode, at least like a third of it is solidly um, just music. Um, I think this episode, I don't know about you, I've had the least notes about and things to say because there's just a big chunk of the episode that I just kind of had to write down as the song happens. And, you know, I have comments on that for myself, but in terms of actually having stuff to talk about, it is very difficult. Um, but it is, I mean, it's it's a great episode, you know. Uh, and without, and I, and I like it too because, you know, a lot of shows will have episodes that are like, musical episodes you know and not even i'm not even just talking about cartoons but like uh, you know a lot of shows will have like their like musical episode where like the cast will just all break into song in like high school musical fashion or something in the middle of the episode for multiple times and it's you know the the writers maybe just wanted to make songs or whatever and i fully believe this episode was made just because the writers wanted to like have some like songs that they were working on maybe i, I have no idea but it, it's very it, it's very interesting how they how they did it without making it seem like the musical episode you know there are um i believe in later seasons maybe season like four or five there are like spongebob the musical quote-unquote episodes but this one doesn't feel like that while still kind of having that vibe where a a very large portion of the runtime is music based yeah there are more than a couple specials uh later on that definitely like are meant to be like musical episodes Um, But this, I would say, like, less than a musical episode. It's an episode with music as an element. Mm 
uh, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And one thing you know you might be wondering about because it, it might not seem clear from what was described. Um, you know, it's why are these animals so interested in partying? I, I believe a part of that is you know, they're never really referred to as feral, which maybe even definitionarily doesn't work because feral would imply they don't like contact with humans. Uh, but they're referred to as wild animals and that kind of idea of like wild animal, wild party animal is the reason that they are so attracted to causing chaos and partying like that is because they're, they're wild in the party sense as well. Yeah. Um, I think that is a line at the end of the episode. It's it's not even like a pun because it isn't even said like at the end, it's kind of said. Well, no, yeah. At the end of the episode, I believe they say, Oh, well, you know what they say? Wild animal, wild party, (laughs) which is like, all right, (laughs) a little bit over the top. Even before they like say that it's like, I feel like the pun is there, even if it's not spoken. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, it's, there's a certain amount of skill to that, to like, you manage to make a situation that is in and of itself a joke on something else without explaining it. And it still kind of works. Um, And in that sense, you know, as the basis for what the episode is, I think is kind of interesting what they managed to imply without saying exactly and and you know this episode is very strange in that way of this isn't something that i feel like you would really think of that often as an episode you know like there are a lot of shows like there are a lot of episodes that like kind of follow a structure okay you i can see how the writers maybe came up with this concept and expanded on it and expanded on it until they had an episode. This one is very, I, I'm, I'm very curious what route they took. You know, did they want to make an episode with like, did they have these songs already and they just wanted to make an episode with them? Did they just write to start writing an episode about like SpongeBob adopting a jellyfish and then just came up with this concept on the fly. I'm very curious how they, uh, how they ended up, uh, like developing this and because it's a very strange concept all around with the music and the jellyfish like pet thing and then with squidward's like whole involvement in it it's a very very odd episode and then yeah i don't know i don't know how they how they came up with it i mean i it's not a bad one for sure i i I love it a lot but it's it's it is it is interesting how they how you know the flow of it uh seems to go my immediate thought too is you know, if we go back to very first episode, right, we had the reef blower bit. And it's like, by by no means is the reef blower musical, it's more of an homage to uh, this silent style of cartoon, like, what can we say without words? Um, There is music in that, you know, there's sound effects, there's, there are things like that. However, it definitely has a very different feel than this, where it's not what can we say without words, it's what can we say with music, with visuals, with what's going on in the scene, as opposed to saying it with words or with specific characters, you know, talking to each other and hashing things out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is talking, there is dialogue all throughout, of course, but it really takes a back seat to what's happening on screen visually. And that, that in and of itself, the fact that this manages to do that and not be a bad episode definitely takes a lot of talent, a lot of skill. And, you know, it's, it's interesting too, because it feels like something that like, it's, you know, it's weird because it's something that I want to say is, is risky to do it. Like I said, it takes a lot of skill and it's very different from what the show is. And, you know, this is season one, the show is not established, but they're taking these risks. And I would venture to say that the way in which this episode is a quote unquote musical episode is not a risk modern SpongeBob would be willing to take because of the way it's established itself. And I think that's kind of interesting when you look at, you know, you could get away with this 
you know, it's one of those things where like you might be scared to do it because you're not established, but because you're not established, you have that room to experiment that you might not end up having later down the line. I very much agree. And yeah, and I I could, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm not saying this is exactly what happened, but I could see a scenario where like, maybe they were pitching ideas for this episode. And they were like, Oh, we could have an episode where SpongeBob adopts a jellyfish or something. And then like shenanigans happen. And they maybe worked down that line a little bit and realized they didn't have enough for a full episode. So they were like, Okay, well, what can we fill it with? And they maybe and you know, whereas a lot of people would have maybe just scrapped the episode and been like, ah, this concept doesn't really work. They just made a bad episode or just made a bad episode. They took it and we're like okay what can we do with this and like the, maybe that's when they came up with the wild animal like wild party concept and you know again obviously this might not be what happened but i think it you know like i can see that being the the route that they took and took a risk being like hey let's just have a lot of this episode be wordless like like fucking edm music and stuff like and that's you know okay and it worked out really well and it's a like actually a good song and a good episode and really cool visuals like I, you know, I, I applaud them for if that's the route they took or whatever route they ended up taking to get here, that it was a risk and it was one that paid off very well. It's all really conjecture, but I mean, the main chicken and egg here is, you know, did they come up with first the idea for an episode focused around music and visuals or did they first come up with an episode where like the plot is SpongeBob has a jellyfish at home and it doesn't go well. And uh, either way, the fact that they managed to take it in the direction they did and do something with it that is memorable and well executed uh, does in and of itself just you know show really the skill of the people who are working on the show the talent the ideas the drive they had at that time to make something that works something that's enjoyable something that you look back on it and you're not like i liked that only because i was a kid rather you know, i liked that because it was interesting and that is you know it's the most basic compliment, but it's a compliment season one gets in spades is that it was interesting. Exactly. And I mean, especially, you know, I mean, I would recommend watching this episode if this one was partnered with a worse episode. But I mean, if you're going to be watching this one to watch all monitor, I mean, you might as well stick around for the jellyfish jam because it's definitely uh, worth a ride, in my opinion. It's really not one where it's really one where you should at least look at it. Um, even if you don't think the plot sounds interesting, it is there to be you know like i've said a million times now music visual experience more than anything and in that you know it might take a different kind of crowd to appreciate that but it's something to be appreciated and it is something that's worth a look you know it's it's something that i feel like we really haven't seen since the pilot it kind of had elements of that where you know there was like the whole song montage and i I don't it's just something the show always does well and in Mm -hmm. a way I, i wish it had done a little bit more of but yeah, but you know, but you also get you get. on that same point, though, it, they did it, it like if every time they did it, they did it, they did it well. That shows that maybe they shouldn't have done it more because maybe they would have made worse uh, attempts at that. And it would you have know, been a bit more slope screener. You never really know what you want until you have it and you don't want it. Exactly. You know, the, I mean, they the songs that we have, especially from season one, are all hits, in my opinion. You know, I mean, even from the just random like little, you know, from the I mean, from Hall Monitor when he's doing the uh, like uh, I'm on patrol, I'm on patrol, like that little bit like that's, you know, that's like, like weirdly catchy in my head, you know, and it, that's such a small like nothing bit to this whole episode where it's full of music to, you know, something like uh, Ripped Pants in that episode, that song. Um, you know, they're all good. They're all, there's nothing that I'm like, oh, that was an annoying kind of musical interlude that we didn't really need, which I definitely did notice from later episodes of SpongeBob, uh, like past season three. There's definitely a bit of that, unfortunately. Uh, but for especially season one, uh, they they kind of, you know, they're kind of batting a thousand for every time they try it. 
you know, and that's, that's really a big theme of season one is they, they tried it and everybody liked it. You know, it's pretty universally liked. There's not a whole lot of people who are going to say that the first couple of seasons of SpongeBob are bad. Uh, it no. kind of takes some, some looking to find that. Yeah. Um, and as, as we noted, you know, to each other and on this, the episodes that we maybe noted in our heads, we haven't, I don't think we've really covered any of them yet. Um, but when we do, even like the worst episodes of season one, two, and three aren't bad. They're just like, it's just the episodes around them are so good that, uh, that they just are kind of like, they're just all right in comparison. Um, but they're pro, I mean, if I were to compare them to like episodes from seasons four, five, and six, they'd probably be like top tier. Yeah. It's like, you know, my biggest complaint is like, I don't think it's fun that SpongeBob just berates an old person. Whereas my biggest complaint uh, later is like, I don't think it's fun when Squidward's body contorts in hyper-realistic ways. And then he starts bleeding at the audience and everyone is supposed to laugh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just like, I don't like when the episode isn't funny in any way and just is like pandering to kind of like, ooh, shiny colors and stuff like that. Uh, you know, as opposed to- And I mean, to- that that is its own style. And I would argue that like, visuals and bending and breaking them and making them an extreme those are choices one can make and there's things you can do with that and not every time that spongebob does it is it bad but there are times later that it does it where it really leads you to appreciate what you have in season one more because of the kind of show that it is here um that might be different later but same saying still stands here you know it's not something that would be recommended for a skip especially you know it's really something where just a description is not going to give you anything you know you can argue that i i know what happens in the episode therefore i don't have to see it i would say in a comedy that's kind of a bad mindset to have but this is a time where it's like you had it described you but that doesn't necessarily mean you understand what happened exactly i mean this one is like you said it's a very audio visual experience and we're not really going to be able to describe that uh through through just me and you talking about it there's there's sounds that we can't there are sounds that we can't make with our mouths or describe with our words there's sounds we shouldn't make with our mouths very true very true yes there are sounds we can't or shouldn't make with our with our mouths uh that can describe what this episode just feels like and that you know we can't really give that to you without like you know, and if we tried, it wouldn't be interesting. So it's just something you know, the, the best I've been able to do here is, you know, the comparisons I have to other like similar moments, like I've said, but those similar moments as well, you know, if you saw them, uh, you know, the pilots kind of musical number, the, you know, reef blower segment of episode one, you know, these are things where it's like, you know, you had to look at those to get it. And this is exactly like that. Exactly. Yeah, uh, these two episodes I think are very good. They're ones that um, when I was looking at the list for season one, I, I very much uh we're like yep those are decent episodes and watching them again i as with most of of doing this so far i was i was very uh very impressed a lot of nostalgia coming back to me and and yeah this uh these were a good collection of episodes here they are and uh with that i think that about covers them again some to look at for yourself more than anything but I certainly do. Thank you for hearing our thoughts on them. Did you have anything else you wanted to add about either of these episodes? I, I don't believe I do. Um, so with that, be sure to follow us on whichever podcasting service you are using, um, as well as subscribe to us on YouTube if, that, if that's where you are or if you just want to find us over there. Um, and then if you have any comments or questions for us, uh, be sure to tweet at us uh, on our Twitter page, at SBLamatic on Twitter. You could probably just search spongebob Lamatic cast on Twitter and also find us. Um, But yeah, with that, I thank you very much. And we will see you next time.